Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the Drink, Play, Score podcast. Uh, this week in store, we have a little bit of all sports here. We're going to mix in a lot of different things. Um, we're going to do our weekly drink of the week, which is now going to be a weekly part of our podcast. Uh, got a lot of feedback about that to incorporate that to make sure we touch base on it. Uh, we're also going to talk about the gaming aspect, whether it's Apex, Fortnite, and the Call of Duty side. Um, so I'll go to our craft beer enthusiast, Richard, here to start off the podcast like we did last week. Awesome. Uh, yeah, what, uh, what I'm drinking this weekend and right now is something from my favorite brewery in the world. It's called Treehouse Brewery. They're down in uh, Charlton, Mass., quite a distance from New Hampshire. It's like a, like a two-hour drive from here, but I mean, world-class beer. Like, absolutely incredible. I mean, I, I'll go down there on a weekday and I'll, I'll wait up to two hours in line. Just, just to buy beer. You can't even drink there sometimes, which is pretty crazy. But uh, I'm drinking uh, a stout called That's What She Said Tonight. It's a great beer. Um, really, really uh, chocolatey, dark coffee roasted, um, mm-hmm. some caramel and like a nice smoky finish. And all all at like five, 5.6%. So it's a, it's a really nice sipper. It's uh, got a lot of really intense flavor. It's quite warming and, you know, great for a, a nice cool night when you're just kicking back. What yeah, about you, Drew? That sounds absolutely delightful. I've actually never tried that, so you're going to have to bring that down. Let me have some. I've got one can left, so we'll Sweet. see. Um, for me, um, I'm staying with another hard liquor here. Um, something that I feel like everybody likes to touch into sometimes. Uh, a little Jameson and ginger ale. Um, if you want to talk about a crushable kind of mixed drink here i i think it's a jameson and ginger you know i don't it's almost sweet and uh you know a little ginger ale never hurts the stomach for anybody so um that's that's mine for the week very true ginger ale is good for the stomach (laughs) uh for me it's kind of basic uh i'm not a big crafts beer guy or differentiate from what i'm doing so uh, i'm just sticking with a little sam 76 Local Sam Adams Brewery. If you're from Massachusetts or New England, you know about them. Uh, they're pretty big now. You can get them pretty much anywhere in the U.S. I love Sam 76, they're, dude. They're so, it's just so good. You can't it's go like wrong. It's like such a crusher. It's so light it really and is. crisp and refreshing. Because like, I, like, I don't drink cheap beer, so like that's like my good go-to summer beer. That's a great summer beer. Yeah, I love it. And I think actually on the can it says crushable on it. That's oh, funny. it's so crushable! It's scary. <laughs> it's really, really good beer. I've, that's, I've been drinking that a lot lately because yeah. I don't get heartburn, which is great. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, drinking beer with no heartburn—that's awesome. So uh, we're just going to jump in now to a quick recap of the game from past weekend, which was the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship. We will start out on the AFC side, and I will open it up for you, Richard. What were your thoughts on the game? Ah. Uh, Mahomes looked awesome. <laughs> I mean, he looked incredible as always. Um, you know, they slowed down Henry, and like we all said, that was really, um, you know, if Tennessee wanted to have a realistic shot at winning that game, they would have need to have Henry go off again, like he did. And you know, what I said last week is, is what Henry was doing sustainable? And um, you know, I think we got our answer there. Yeah. Um, and you know, it kind of proved that if and Tannehill's done, been great this year, but if you're going to make him beat you with his arm, 
you know, they can't really compete to the level of you know the top tier AFC teams. Yeah, like I said, dude, I actually thought, like I said, I actually said that Tennessee was going to jump out to a quick start on KC, which they did. They jumped out to a 10 nothing lead there. And like I said, I thought that that was going to kickstart Kansas City. Like, okay, we, we got to play this game now. Um, but, I mean, Tennessee really did hang in there. Um, I don't think I gave them enough credit. I obviously picked them only have 10 points, um, which is really nothing. Um, but I did pick Kansas City to put up 35, which they did. Um, that offense is just incredible. I mean, you really can't slow them down. I mean, 35 just doesn't even seem like, you know, a plethora of points for this team. Um, I, I wasn't surprised with this game. But I was surprised that Derrick Henry didn't go over 100, in all honesty, against that Kansas City defense. Uh, were you guys surprised at that? Oh, I was shocked. I thought... Kansas City did a great job and had a great game plan to neutralize that, but um, I was shocked. Just, you know, he had three consecutive games over, like, 180 or something, some crazy stat. So, yeah, it's pretty shocking that he didn't go over 100. Yeah, I think he had some something like eight or nine yards in the second half. So they just completely abandoned the run game, even when the score wasn't even that you know, much of a difference. Like at the end of the first, uh, the first half was what twenty-one seventeen. I mean, you're only down four points. Why would you go away from your bread and butter in Derrick Henry? You know what I mean? It's just, and especially when this guy has literally carried you to this game. Yeah, it was. It's 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 kind of weird. It was it was a very weird game. I mean, they got out to such a big lead at first. It's seven, it's ten zero. You know, against the Chiefs, you're thinking in Arrowhead, you're like, wow, this. What is happening right now? It's going to be a repeat of you know, Titans doing what they've done all playoffs, and then Tyreek Hill scores. And you're like, okay, that's that's it. You know, they're not going to let them score again. Tennessee comes back, scores, makes a 17-7. You think, okay, maybe Tennessee, you know, will we'll actually pull us out and run the ball and you know, kind of kill the clock. And then from there, it was just, I don't know, they, they completely changed. The yeah, I think the I think the pivotal point in the game was. When Patrick Mahomes made that play right before half, the, yeah, he did yeah, the blunt play. That was yep. a great play by him. But that was, I mean, you could have held them to field goal there, but uh, you know they punch it in right before the half, and you know never really looked back. We were talking about last week uh, with Russell Wilson leading them in rushing as well, and Patrick Mahomes did here two eight carries for fifty three and a touchdown. I mean, that's not earth shattering, but his runs made a huge difference in this game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let me just say about that run at the end of the half, that has to be one of the worst tackling efforts or displays <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. He was not running hard at all. And no. the Titans just looked like they did not know what to do. Like, they, like they've never played football in their lives. They were just kind of looking at each other and trying to strip the ball out. At they were the, lackadaisical. It, it, was, yeah. it was so bizarre to see. It was, it was the strangest thing. It's weird, too, because Mahomes doesn't want to run. Like, right. you know Mahomes wants to throw the ball first. He runs if he absolutely has to. Yeah, it, it, was, it was very strange. And then, just, to, just as a defensive player, you know that once that runner, well, once that quarterback becomes a runner, you have the right to hit them as if they're a runner. So to see them try and strip the ball and kind of be, uh, like Richard, like you said, lackadaisical with it, it was very confusing to me. And it pretty much they just gave him the touchdown. Yeah, like you said, the strip was crazy. Like you gotta have some situational awareness, and 
And you know that if you take them down probably outside of the 10, they're going to get one shot at the end zone and kick a, ultimately kick a field goal. So Yeah, and then uh, you're tied at the half going into, you know, the third quarter. Yeah, the Chiefs got it back after the half, but you still have, you know, that momentum of, all right, we're in their building. It's the AFC Championship game, and we held them to a tie. You know what I mean? Yep. This is the Chiefs. We, we're in this, so on and so forth. But after, I, I agree with you. After that play, it, it seemed like it was the Chiefs game to, to have. Yeah, it was a very weird play like, to, 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 stretch, to try and strip that. I don't, I don't understand. All in all, though, I mean, let's give the Titans credit. They, I mean, they were the yeah. sixth seed. They squeaked in in, like, the last game of the year. I mean, this team, really, nobody would have expected them to be in the AFC Championship game this year. No. I agree, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we got to give Vrabel credit. We got to give Tannehill credit. Derrick Henry, I mean, there's some guys in this team that, you know, put the team on their back, really, and it took a 9-7 and seven football team to the AFC Championship game to play one of the best teams in the entire league. So, I mean, we're talking about, hey, they made some sloppy plays, but, I mean, they made plays to get to this game where most people – wouldn't have picked them to be there. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, Vrabel should be, you know, in at least in the tops for coach of the year because, like you said, he took this, this team to the the AFC Championship game with no one thought they would. Right, be. making the move to Tannehill. I mean, like, essentially a backup Henry. quarterback, you know. Yeah, yeah. And knowing Tannehill from his days in Miami, that was a real big call because, you know, Tannehill did nothing for the Dolphins, so. We're able to have the confidence to go to this guy, even though his track record isn't the best. It it shows a lot of a uh, lot of a uh, skill as a coach. Yeah, it tells you what they really thought about Mariota. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. <laughs> so um, we'll move on to the second game here on the NFC side. Um, I think once again it was a full sweep. We all picked San Fran to win this game over Green Bay, which is tough to say. I mean, it, with a head-to-head game. Jimmy G against Darren Rodgers. I feel like you know you gotta you gotta lean talent and skill towards Rodgers here, um, but the tilt for talent and skill goes towards the 49ers, which is why I think that we all lean that way. Oh yeah, I mean when you're when you have such an elite defense in running game like the 49ers do, I mean to be honest, I could have played quarterback for them and yielded the same results. <laughs> It's true. I mean, Jimmy G, <laughs> six of eight for 77 yards. I mean, that's Ryan Tannehill status from the last two games. <laughs> it is. Uh, most are 29 carries, 220 yards, and four touchdowns. Yeah, uh, I mean, off. he had a little bit of a game, just a little bit. And that was, most of that was at half. Yeah, he had 160 at half, correct? Uh, Devontae Adams, I mean, he still had another solid game. Nine catches, 138 yards. Um, Rodgers uh, didn't even have a bad game. I mean, I know he had two interceptions, but 31 of 39 for 326 and two touchdowns. Like, that's not a bad stat line. I know, he did. But, I mean, at the same time, he took a lot of sacks against, once again, this this great rush deep, this great defense, which really only needs to rush forward to get to the quarterback and make plays. No, I agree. Um, To me, the game just looked like, like you said, the Green Bay didn't play terrible. It just looked like a much better team in the 49ers playing them. You know, it, it just they just looked better in every aspect of the game. I yeah. agree. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that, 
you know, seeing the score at 27-0 going into the half, I thought the game was over when I saw that. I didn't think that the Green Bay Packers would come out and be able to, you know, surmount the, the comeback just with the running game that the 49ers have that they were using that entire game. They weren't going to be able to come back and actually pull off the upset. Um, and just the, just again, with Aaron Rodgers, I think his time has passed. I think he's, yeah, he still has all the physical traits and the the arm talent and everything that people talk about, but I just I don't see him doing much with the Green Bay Packers anymore. He feels just like a replica of Brett Favre. I mean, uh, it, at it, one point, people were p- putting Aaron Rodgers in the conversation for the greatest quarterback of all time. Some people will still say that, and and I don't see where it comes from. The guy has incredible talent for sure. But uh, come on, uh, come on! I mean, it's really not a debate anymore for Tom Brady. It's really not. Yeah. But where Where does Aaron Rodgers jump all these other guys? Uh, I I don't get it. How what has he, he done in his career that he is in the conversation? Uh, maybe made some spectacular throws. Maybe that's it. But that some doesn't mean he's the like, I don't care. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I don't I've always been an Aaron Rodgers hater though. You guys know that. So Yeah, it, it to me I, I completely agree with you, Drew. I never really bought into the hype of Aaron Rodgers. Uh I never really understood why people were talking about him being considered in the greatest of all time conversation. Uh I would put Drew Brees in that conversation before I would even put Aaron Rodgers. I would put a bunch of other quarter well not a bunch, but a few other quarterbacks in there before uh Aaron Rodgers, I just think that he's really overrated. Um, just because he has the arm talent doesn't mean you're the greatest quarterback of all time. I would right. even put Peyton in that conversation before him, and I hate Peyton Manning uh, <laughs> just from his days in Indiana, uh, Indianapolis. So it just, I just felt that the the Green Bay Packers weren't going to do anything, and they proved me right. You know, they they have this this thing about them where they seem to fold under pressure, which is really oh, yeah. weird uh, because. The Green Bay Packers that I used to know when you know the they were run by Brett Favre and and uh and all that, they somewhat strived for the under pressure. It was just that Brett Favre would just turn over the ball too much. That was their big mistake. Now it seems like, you know, Aaron doesn't turn the ball over as much, but they can never get past that big hump. Now he did turn it over a lot in this game, but it just it, they seem to never be able to get past that big hump. You know what I, I really notice when I watch Aaron Rodgers? He doesn't he doesn't have any like fire in him when he's on the field. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. He doesn't yeah. get he he's not pumped up. He's not on the sideline trying to be better. He he just doesn't look like he has any passion for the game. And you see a lot of these really great all time great quarterbacks. Like they're on the sideline. They're getting dudes pumped up. They're you know it's they're living in the moment. And you know I just don't see that in Rodgers. I agree with you there. Um, you know, and Carlos was talking about getting over the hump and not being able to win the big game. I thought we were talking about the Saints for a minute, but <laughs> I agree with you. I mean, you see Tom Brady running down the sidelines, getting his guys ready to go, Breeze in the pregame huddle. You saw Peyton always, you know, doing his stuff at the line. Like, you know that these guys are always competing to be better. And I agree with you, dude. I just don't see it from Rodgers trying to – command the offense and command the team to you know take that next step to be better than than the defense 
even some of the the younger guys like for instance Lamar like you see him playing and you know communicating with his team even pregame like they're just having fun talking about they want to take the uh the cart out on the field they should let him drive it and then in the game when they're at fourth downs you'll see if they're taking them off the field and he feels passionately that they can convert the, the fourth down play he'll go to his coach and say you know coach we should we should run this play we should do it we should do it and you never really see that type of emotion from Aaron he just goes onto the field you know does his work and then comes off doesn't really say much or it just doesn't appear that he has that commanding presence it's, it's just very strange like you would that's see. the thing too like you hear about you know guys like brady guys like breeze guys like even I'm, I'm gonna say lamar jackson right now but Peyton. like you hear how much respect that those guys gets from their peers and people that they used to play with like when have you ever heard somebody come out and talk about how much respect that they have for aaron Rodgers? like the whole thing with mccarthy like the, everybody blames mccarthy for them losing games and, and having bad play calls. But they said Aaron Rodgers went to the line and changed the plays. So what what do we really know about that relationship or, you know, how much of it was Rodgers or McCarthy? Yeah, I agree. It'd be interesting to see if, uh, if next year the Packers have a similar record and a similar story to their season. It'd be, it'd be uh, interesting to see if they try and maybe move on from Rodgers and see if, that gives him a different dynamic or anything. Because he's still a talented quarterback. Yeah, but, but I mean, like, sometimes you you gotta you gotta move on. Like it, even with the the same story with the Patriots with Tom getting older now, it's like, yeah, he's great, and you know he's gonna be go down as the greatest of all time. But at some point, you can't keep living off your legacy, you know. Right. No, I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, with that though, we can uh. We can talk about, since we're talking about Tom Brady and, you know, him being old and getting closer to retirement, uh, we can jump right into the recent NFL retirements that have happened in the league with the most recently uh, Eli Manning announcing yesterday or today that he was going to be retiring. Uh, did that come to a shock to either of you guys? Uh, for me, absolutely not. He's, uh, he's completely washed and, um, you know, it doesn't make sense for him to go to another team. Um, and, you know, I say the same thing about Brady. Um, I just don't understand why at their ages or, you know, Eli's age, he would go to another team unless he's absolutely guaranteed the starter. But, I mean, it, you know, he, he hadn't had success in really like two years in the NFL. And um, I think he just knows when to, when to hang it up. And he, I think he made the right decision. I do, too. Um, I don't. I don't think he had a future, obviously, in New York. They told him that this year when they're going to play Daniel Jones. Um, I think that really the only place that he really had a future was going to be Jacksonville because of Tom Coughlin. Um, That's a good call. That well, they're trying to move on window. from Coughlin. Right. That went out the window there. And I think that they're going to move forward with Minshew, which they told they told everybody that too when they ended up benching Nick Foles after he came back. Um. So I think it's the right move for Eli. I don't think it's worth his time to sit on the bench and be this this guy that everybody still wants to, you know, make fun of, really. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it was the right move for him. Uh, it's tough for the Giants because, I mean, you want to talk about having a backup. I mean, Eli Manning, you still <laughs> would take as a backup more than 75% of the guys in the league. True, but it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that he's done 
yeah, it didn't surprise me either seeing, you know, him being his job being taken over by Daniel Jones and him having the success that he did. You know, the Giants knew they made the right decision. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that he'd be retiring. Just for fun, I would have liked to seen him gone to one of these other teams that have some questionable quarterback situations like the Raiders or maybe the Bengals and they draft the kid and kind of have him coach him up. But I think I thought it would have been really funny to see him, you know, in Las Vegas with the Raiders. That would have been kind of a cool thing to see. It's true. Um, so what about let's jump into uh, Luke Keekley. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, he's retiring at the age of 28. Let me start that off only because of the fact that I play that man two times a year. Um, he is one of the smartest football players I have ever watched at any position. I, I mean, the Saints offense is so complex in the things that they do. And Luke Keekley, it seems like no matter what, he's always on to the play, knowing where it's going to be, what kind of stunt they're trying to run, where guys are lining up. He seems to just know. Like, this guy is so football smart and so prepared and does his homework. He is the exact guy that you want running your defense in the middle of the field. It's it's shocking to me because you could tell in his retirement speech how much that he loved the game of football. But at the same time, with how many concussions he's had, you see the things going on with Antonio Brown. You see the things like Wes Welker had so many. There's all these guys. Junior Seau, I mean, you know, yeah, he, I, he obviously suffered from CTE. And, right. You know. the, the list just goes on. And, and you look at those guys and you wonder, you know, am I going to end up like that? So from a pure standpoint of life, I, I don't blame him at all. But it always sucks leaving your passion behind. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks, um, you know, as a fan of the game, seeing someone of his his talent and skill level leave the game. But, um, you know, you got to look out for your own mental health. And like you said, um, the for me, the reason I believe he was comfortable leaving the game is because I think he's going to end up being a coach somewhere on a staff somewhere eventually. Maybe take some time off. But um, he's just too smart and knows the game too well to not be involved with it somehow. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, I was a little surprised because, you know, you go back and you, you look and he actually hasn't had a documented concussion since, uh, I think, 2017, um, oh. which doesn't mean, obviously, I'm sure he's had concussions that he's played through. Yeah, but, of course. Uh, um, yeah, concussions are just no joke. And I, I mean, I do the same thing, to be honest. I've had one concussion in my life and I wanted to literally die. And it was a minor concussion, like... They are just, I don't know how these guys have a concussion and play through it. And then, you know, they just have compounding concussions and it, it has Seriously. to take a toll on you. Yeah, it has to. I, I've never had a concussion or any type of brain injury or had, I've had the wind knocked out of me like once or twice, but for these <laughs> guys to do it on like a regular basis is just, it's incredible to me that they would put their body through that much pain for, yeah, it's your passion. But at the same time, it, it 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 just is amazing to me that they get back up and continue to do it day in and day out and, you know, put the time in, put the effort in. You know, they're missing out with time on their families and all this other stuff. So it, it, it just speaks to the passion that they actually have for the game. And it's sad to see when, you know, things don't go the way that they're supposed to, like when players retire and they're not getting the treatment that they should be getting and or the NFL wants to say, 
that you know players are lying about concussions things like that like we saw with a few years back before all the concussion studies came out um but i think he made the right decision in my opinion uh it's terrible to see such a talent uh walk away like you said richard and drew but i mean at the end of the day it's a game and if it's he's going to compromise him being able to walk in the future or him being able to you know play with his grandchildren or or things like that i think he made the right decision it is right. just shocking at the age but again like i said if if you're concerned that you're not going to be able to do these things then i mean more power to you for doing it i mean right. to to that point uh real quick sorry drew for jumping on you there no, i just saw uh, um within 365 days just one year there's been three players under the age of 30s to retire essentially due to injuries injure luck at 29 gronkowski at 29 now keekly at 28 I mean, that is the gravity of, you know, really the situation with two of, I mean, Keekly and Gronk mostly being concussion-based and, um, you know, Andrew Luck with all his other injuries. It's it's crazy to think that injuries have so much of a effect on the game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, and those are top-caliber players. Um, but what I was going to say was, like, you guys know firsthand because of me, like, we live, I live this life every day because of my wife. She has post-concussive syndrome. Like, you see how much of a toll that that can take on somebody like you see if Elizabeth gets hit in the head, you know, not even, you know, too, too hard. She's out like a light. You know what yeah. I mean? Like these guys don't know how severe it can get. Right. So for Keekly to kind of realize that, see that as a, you know, almost a light, like, Hey, this could be then, then congrats to him for making a business decision in his life to, you know, live healthier. Yeah, I agree. It's a, uh, it's it was probably a tough decision knowing that, you know, this is the thing that he's loved for all of his life and done, uh, you know, c- come up as a kid dreaming I wanted to be an NFL player and having to leave the game before, you know, you're really done with your prime and all that you can do. But you know, credit to him for doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think another thing that really kind of went into his decision is that it looks like Carolina's probably about to start a rebuild, and you know, he doesn't. You, if they were competitive, he might have stuck around. But I mean, I don't, you know, with with them about to start a rebuild, and uh, I, I he didn't want to stick around for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was the right time to leave. I mean, we don't know about the future of Cam Newton. Uh, you know, we don't know really where the team wants to go. We know they fired their head coach, brought in a new coach from college, gave him a massive deal. Um, an egregious deal which, for someone who's never been in the NFL. I agree. Hasn't even sniffed the NFL. Uh, but it, it it was the right time. It was it was the time to go. It's just sad to see, like we said, someone of that talent and uh and that athleticism and all that just to leave it leave early. But yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he wasn't even in the NFL that long. But I'd say he's one of the best to do it for his position, no doubt. Yeah, and with speaking about the best to do it uh that's going to segue into hall of fame talk so oh i want to raise the question to you and drew uh so obviously luke retiring this year gronk retiring luck retiring and manning retiring out of those players who do you think would be the players to make it to the hall of fame and who would you think would be left out gronk's going gronk's going and Gronk's going, no doubt. 
Um, I think out of all those players, Luck is left out. Luck is left out only because his injury was, I mean, his career was so plagued with injuries. And uh, I, I'm not, you guys know actually my feelings on Luck. Um, yeah. I, he is uh, Aaron Rodgers to me. I think he's rated. He The man threw, threw so many interception and interceptions. He and and Carlos on the offensive line. Absolutely. Sure. Throw the ball away. We talk about it all the time. Um, but I agree. Gronk would definitely be in. I think Keekly probably did enough to get in. Um, Eli will literally be so far out. Um, really? That's what I, got. I, um, I don't know if Eli is so far out. I, I think Eli will get a lot of credit. For I mean, I've got two Super Bowls. I mean, a 500 record for your whole entire career isn't the best number. Well, the, well let's, let's do this. Let's, let's talk about Eli. Leader, three, three years. It also doesn't help your case, but. So uh, what do you think, Carlos? Do you think Eli should be in? So I personally think. So I'm going to shy away from if I think he should or if he will be in. Um. Per- all right, all right. Personally, I think that Eli should not be in, but that's just my bias from knowing Eli and the gate, like knowing his stats and knowing everything like that, and then knowing his, you know, two remarkable moments that w- will be the reason why he goes into the Hall of Fame. I think if these two instances in his career didn't happen, I don't think he would have been. Even considered. Uh, even considered for the Hall nope. of Fame, but nope. they happened, so that's why I say that there's there's he's going to get in, and there's not going to be it's, a debate really because it's. I think there's absolutely a debate. I mean, I agree. He's one. He's one of twelve players in NFL history to win as a quarterback more than one Super Bowl. So that's an incredible stat, right? If you just took that on the cert, on the face, great stat, but. I mean, we could talk about, and he played 14 full seasons and finished in the top 10 in passer rating one time. Um, he was also ranked 20th or worth, worse six times. Let me ask you guys a question. And he never had a passer rating over 93.6. If he didn't win both of those Super Bowls against the Patriots, does it hit different? I'm sorry, what was that? If he doesn't win both of those Super Bowls against the Patriots, is his legacy different? Oh, absolutely. He's if he doesn't win both of those, he's not. I wouldn't even. Yeah, if. But if I'm he saying, didn't... if he wins against different teams, do you think it's different? No, I don't think it's a matter of who he won against. You only say that because you're a Patriot hater. No, no, I'm saying that because he beat an 18 and 0 Patriots team. So here's, I, but a lot of people really. Some people take the. I think the biggest takeaway, or just really the lucky catches that he was a benefit of. So I think that um, without the playoff runs that he had, he wouldn't be an NFL uh, Hall of Fame quarterback. So at the end of those runs, he beat. He did beat the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Uh, He beat the eighteen and zero team, and I think that kind of factors in to those runs. But I think it's more the entire play of those playoff runs that puts him in. Um, so if we look back in the 2011 uh, playoff run, he had well over 1,200 passing yards in four games. 
which is actually an NFL record um, for a playoffs. So I think just the, the magnitude of how he played in those playoffs is what's going to get him in. I think if he played a different team besides the Patriots at the end, yeah, a lot of people would feel differently. But if he had the same performance, I, I don't think it would matter either way. I think the Hall of Fame is for the truly great players of the sport. And Eli, no one says that he's a truly great player of the sport. And this is actually a pretty crazy statistic. So he played 246 games. He has five career games with 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Jared Goff has the exact same number of games and played 206 less games than Eli. That is actually a wild stat. <laughs> that is wild. Would you consider you wouldn't consider Jared Goff a elite quarterback? No, not in, not even the slightest. So I, I, the, if you took away those two lucky catches, you wouldn't even he wouldn't as long as he was. Yeah, like, like I said, I my gut feeling says that he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I ha- actually had a discussion with one of my buddies earlier, and I said to him, I said, you know, if if Eli didn't have those two playoff runs and win Super Bowls in those playoff runs, he's pretty much. A, he's a mediocre runner. He's, he's a, a worse version, worse version of uh, Philip Rivers. Yes. If you compare their stats, Philip Rivers has better stats. He has better win percentage. He has better everything, pretty much. But he just has never done it in the playoffs. So without those two playoff runs, Eli would just be, you know, a run-of-the-mill quarterback. It's because of those two playoff runs that I think people are going to see those two championships and say, yes, he was a run-of-the-mill quarterback, but you know, he stepped up when it counted most and he actually brought his team to the Super Bowl and won them. So I think for that reason he's going to get in, but personally how I feel, I do not think he's a Hall of Famer for all the points that I've made and you've made Richard Andrew. Um like you said, I feel the Hall of Fame should only have players that are all-time greats and I will never consider Eli Manning an all-time great. Yeah. I mean he wasn't even a of his era, he wasn't even a top 5 quarterback once in his era. Yeah, nor did he win an MVP or even be considered for winning an MVP. You know, it, it to me, it's, it's just crazy that someone who who never dominated their position once in their whole career could even be considered. I agree. I mean, his best five year span, he was still in the bottom half of the NFL in all major passing stats. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about a guy who dominated the league. And is now dominating headlines in the wrong way. Uh, Antonio Brown, I, I mean, love this, that guy segue. Is, <laughs> this guy is literally losing his mind. Yeah. He uh, is gone. out for his arrest in Florida. Felony warrant. Yeah. I mean, it seems like every other week there's more news about Antonio Brown that just is the opposite of what you want to be hearing from a guy who says he wants to be back in the league. Agreed, yeah. What do you guys think play. about this situation? I agree. I agree. Uh, this situation is crazy. I mean, I as you, I'm sure you guys saw the live. I think it was Facebook Live, and he's just cursing at cops and calling them all sorts of things and telling them to get off his property. And I think they were there just doing an investigation about him and a burglary, if I'm not mistaken. So, 
he's just he's gone completely nuts. Ever since Burfitt hit him, he is just full blown CT CT. Yeah, it, it's actually pretty crazy to see kind of the downward spiral that's been happening. Um, like we were talking about earlier, Richard, it seemed like when he was on the Steelers, he was just your normal prima donna wide receiver that just wanted them to get him the ball. And then that was, it. that was the extent of it. He just wanted more reception. Yeah, and now it just seemed like it just spiraled into this whole fiasco of, of things where he wants to, you know, put out a rap album and make music videos and and you know, force his way out of Oakland and burn his foot in dry ice and just like in a crypto tank. Yeah, it just it seems like ever since a specific event and we could say it was the perfect hit, it just seems like everything just kind of spiraled out of control. It's almost like he feels like he's so much better than everybody, and he feels like he has this entitlement to, to basically everything for for some unknown reason. Like, he thinks he, he deserves another shot in the NFL just because of his name. Like, you got to show teams that you're not going to – like, he actually did in Pittsburgh. He took a video of Mike Tomlin, like, after a game in the locker room. Yeah, like, yeah. That, those are just things that you don't want to see from guys. Like, oh, be quiet. I, Go to work. Play your game. And do, do what you got to do, man. I mean, to, the way he forced himself on Pittsburgh was highly inappropriate. And it's almost not – it's not even talked about now because he's gone on to do so much more bizarre things. But that whole situation to end the season in a playoff – when they're trying to make a playoff push late season is crazy. And he, it, it started really there. It's just been unreal ever since. Yeah. It, I, I just hope he gets, you know, some help because obviously he's dealing with something mental because there's, it just doesn't make sense for you to make the decisions that you're making now after building this whole empire of being an NFL player and a brand, things like that, to then make decisions that aren't, lucrative for that brand and for those previous decisions that you've been making it doesn't make a lot of sense so there has to be something going on with him uh yeah his his agent actually he dropped him yeah treatment, yeah. yeah yeah he dropped him until he you know goes and and seeks treatment so I, i'm be interested to, to see what happens in the future but for now i don't think antonio brown will be you know stepping on a field anytime in the near future within the next you know year to maybe two years I, I mean, honestly, for for his best interest and in mental health, I don't think he should ever play football again. Yeah, and he probably won't in reality. I don't think. Yeah, so. I think that ship's kind of sailed at this point. Um, yeah, and talking so, a little about mental health, uh, we can jump into another case where a athlete, a former athlete, is dealing with some demons or some mental health issues in Delonte West. Uh, former yeah. Celtic, right? Former Cleveland Cavalier, yeah. uh, and a bunch of other teams. I know he played for Dallas for a little bit. Orlando, I think, for a little bit. The Magic. Maybe. I think, yeah. I think he has stint with Orlando. Yeah, but now there's been videos circling the internet of him in a pretty non-ideal situation, um, and just so, yeah. being completely out of it. And Richard, yeah, if you want to jump in and kind of talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, as I was gonna say, I've um, you know, I, I came across this, um, and I sent it actually to Drew one day. I said, "Bro, like this is Delonte West," and he, he could not believe it that this person was a guy who actually had a you know NBA success, but um, 
you know, if you guys haven't seen the video, there's a video of him uh, in handcuffs uh, being inter- uh, interviewed by a cop. Um, and he's clearly all all strung out on some sort of drugs. And, you know, he's dealing with mental mental health. Um, it actually all started a few years ago. He had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which I didn't know actually until I started doing some research. And I actually, um, one thing I found very interesting, and, um, you know, it's not really being talked about, is Danny Ainge of the Celtics actually reached out to Delonte West when he found out he was having, um, well, he was diagnosed with this, this mental illness and offered him a, um, a spot as a uh, um, talent recruiter. Really? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty, pretty insane that he, you know, he reached out, offered help, you know, offered him a job on the staff. And, you know, I don't know why he didn't take the job. And I think it was, you know, drug related and, um, you know, mental health related, but it's, it's pretty sad. The video is, is, is terrible. You can see the video of him just getting absolutely, you know, beat up by a homeless guy in Washington, D.C., I believe. He's homeless. Um, Saying he is the president of the United States. He's a Navy SEAL, too. Yeah, that's, that's crazy just to to uh, see uh, people that are athletes that, you know, were, were idolized and held up to, like, this high standard of being an athlete and all this, and then to see them in a state where we don't really see many, many athletes, and it's kind of, it's kind of a... Uh, crazy to see him in that state but at the end of the day you know they are human so i think sometimes we we think of athletes and celebrities of as people that are you know above everything and it just goes kind of to show you that they're really not you know they they can hit the ground just as hard as any normal person um, and we've heard cases of people you know betting all their money away and you know getting yeah, getting involved with the wrong people and stuff like that. But then to see a case like this where he just he's literally a shell of himself. And it's oh, yeah, it's he's... just insane to see. I would never have imagined that I would see Delonte West in a situation like the situation he's in. And it's real strange to me to see him in that situation. It, it is like if I walked by him on the street, I would never know that that, that, that was Delonte West. No, not at all. Oh, no. They they said that he made almost twenty million dollars in his career. Sixteen million in his career. Yeah, and I mean, it's tough because a lot of these guys come up from nothing. Yeah. So once they get money, you know what I mean? They spend money because they can, they have it, but they don't think about the longevity because, say, the Delonte West retired when he was thirty. I don't know the exact age, but. He, he still has plenty of years in his life. Did, did he ever plan on getting another job? You know what I mean? Like these guys, they don't see the future outside of what their professionalism was. So it, it's sad to see. I, I mean, I feel like we're seeing it a little bit more and more, but, you know, it's almost you want these guys to get help because uh, if you see that video, you, you can tell Delonte West, West is not, not healthy. No, he's struggling with severe mental mental problems and clear clearly drug addiction as well um and the nba actually um you know the commissioner came out and said that the nba uh is going to actually try to get delante west help they're going to pay for his treatment and um rehab and all that which i thought was really awesome for them to come out and say yeah it's a good look by the nba to you know extend their hand and and support their former players um I think it's really good for the NBA to get involved, uh, with, especially with mental illness, with 
you know, Kevin Love coming out and speaking about it and a few other players talking about mental illness. I think it'd be a good look for the NBA to continue their efforts into uh, researching mental illness and, you know, supporting their players, even their former players who are dealing with these type of things. Yeah, and, and Drew and I have this conversation. And, you know, what Drew said is these guys come out, um, and, you know, oftentimes don't have a ton of money growing up. And um, I was like, you know, it's sad that the, you know, the NBA doesn't teach these guys how, you know, to be, what to do with their money so they don't end up in a, you know, end up homeless or like Alan Iverson and have to declare bankruptcy. And, you know, Drew, you, Drew said, he's like, you, you hired people to do that, which I agree. I, I understand, but I wish there was a, these guys, a lot of them, you hear stories like this. I, I would love to see them, you know, be informed of it in some way, you know? Yeah, I agree. They're, um, it's sad that they, they've never received any type of, you know, financial advice or things like that. Cause you know, growing up, you just didn't have the money to, to put away like that. So yeah, I agree with you. I think the NBA should, should look into some type of, you know, financial advising, things like that as some, maybe something as like a mandatory thing for, for, for younger players, you know, when they're right. coming into the league. So just so that they can have the, the balance or, or, or the foundation of what you should do with your money in order to make it stretch and to be able to have a good life for the rest of your life. And then from there, kind of just leave it to the, to the players to be like, well, we, we taught you these lessons, we gave you these opportunities, and now it's kind of up to you. If you want to follow our advice, you can do it. If not, you know, at least we can say that we tried. Right. I was saying that, like, hey, okay, so you make X amount every single week. You make $12,000 and 100 you know what I mean? Then you should be putting away Y. You know what I mean? Like, So you should be taking in this much and you should be saving this much every single week. No matter what, you should be saving this amount of money so you know that when this money stops and you're not in the league anymore, you have this money. You have this to pay your bills, and you have a backup plan. Like These guys seem like they have no plan besides what they're doing now. A kid that we talk about on the Celtics, Jason Tatum, he's not spending any of his NBA earnings. I was just about to bring that up. using all of his endorsement money to pay for whatever he needs and he's saving every dollar he has that he makes from the Celtics and putting that in his pocket. Genius. Yeah, I think it's a genius move. I was I was going to bring that up. It's a it's a great example of where today's NBA and today's NBA player is um in regards to your salary and the opportunity for endorsements. I mean, living in the world that we live in now, you can get a sponsorship with literally anyone. And you can make so much money off of these sponsorships that you don't even need to use any of the money that you're getting paid from these teams. So I think you're going to see a lot in a bunch, a bunch of different sports where some people aren't going to be as money driven for their teams. And they're going to just be more success driven for their teams because they know that they can go out there in the endorsement industry and make a lot of their money. Hmm. Don't yeah, that's tough. I mean, I think, I mean, in professional sports, there'll always be money driven, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just looking at it from a perspective of, I don't need to sacrifice my career in order to make money. So like, I don't have to go to the Phoenix Suns and never Absolutely. win a championship yeah. just yeah. so that I can make a hundred million dollars. You know, yeah. they can mm-hmm. say, 
all right, maybe I'll go to Detroit where Detroit's going to pick up, you know, a bunch of other superstars and we can maybe contend for a championship and, you know, I can still get endorsements on the side and make a lot of money that way. I think it's going to change the culture of a lot of different sports, but I think that's the smartest way to do it. And, you know, when I first heard about that with Jason Tatum, I was actually shocked. But good on him for uh, for doing that and taking the lead and hopefully, you know, encouraging younger players that come into the league to, to save save their money and, you know, be smart with it. It's true. I'm from that. Let's uh, let's transfer. We'll stay in basketball here, uh, but we'll move over some other young stars in the league uh, for the all star game here. Um, I don't honestly think that there's any surprises from either one of these lineups. The East, Giannis, of course, uh, Embiid, Siakam, Trey Young, Kemba. Um, Carlos and I were saying this a little bit. We were kind of surprised that Kemba made the starting lineup for the all-star team. Yeah, I was a little surprised just because he's not putting up outlandish numbers where, you know, he's just blowing everyone away, like kind of like Trey Young is. But it just seems that him moving to Boston has got him a lot more traction behind him. And it seems like that's really pushing him. Uh, Siakam to me is kind of a surprise, but it's only because when his numbers are crazy, when Kawhi was in Toronto, nobody really talked about Siakam. And now we're actually seeing the type of player that he is, which is awesome. Oh, he's a baller. Yeah, he's having a great year. Um, I can understand why, why you guys are surprised about Kemba, but like you said, that usually for the all-star game, it's to me more of a popularity contest. As opposed to, it's kind of a balance of how what you're doing. Carlos, I think you said it when you know Kemba moved to a big market team, and um, you know he gets more people see him play more often now. Um, you know, it helped this case to get into the All Star game. So. Oh, for sure, yeah, and and you're right about it being a popularity contest. I mean, Taco Fall was the sixth <laughs> the sixth highest forward in the East, or something like that, and this guy plays for the main Red Claws. <laughs> he doesn't even play in the NBA, and he's the sixth highest voted uh, forward in the NBA. It's, it's... I'm not gonna lie, I voted for him a few. Times. <laughs> I mean, what, I what did too a couple times. Me too, though. Was like, why is Kyrie Irving up there and votes like this dude's played like 18 games? Yeah, like, I, I don't like that. Like, I, I, I get it to the point where it's a popularity contest, but Kyrie Irving should not be starting in the All Star game. I know he's not, but he was very close to. He was, yeah. and, and I don't even think he should have been in contention. That, that's honestly all professional sports all star Pro Bowls. Like you could, you could. Why is Xavier Rhodes at the Pro Bowl? This man was the worst corner in football this year. I agree. So I don't put a lot of stock into it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, the other side, the West. I don't think there's any surprises there either. LeBron, of course. Anthony Davis, Luca. Harden, Kawhi. A, I, I mean, I think the most impressive year, the most impressive this year has probably been Luca. Yep. You guys agree. agree with that? Oh yeah, he's he's almost averaging a triple. He's having a year. If he doesn't finish somewhere in the top three for MVP, I'd actually be surprised because he's just having a phenomenal year this year. He's nobody thought Dallas would be the sixth seed in the West. You know, competing to be in the playoffs and actually be able to put up a competitive fight in the playoffs but with Luka playing the way he's been playing you know there's they can they can beat anyone on any given night they can and that's even good. with uh poor Zingas in and out of the lineup but he's like he hit or miss stay healthy huh play. yeah poor Zingas has not looked not looked uh, like his unicorn self this season oh no, he hasn't Luka yeah. has literally been carrying this team he's played absolutely fantastic basketball i agree speaking of other fantastic basketball 
what did you guys think of Zion Williamson's debut last night? Did you guys uh, catch the game or catch his, you know, shining moment? Uh, I, I saw a lot of, you know, the highlights and coverage of the game. Uh, you know, for the first three quarters, <laughs> you know, he didn't look particularly great. <laughs> you know, fourth quarter comes in, hits four consecutive threes. So it, it was a weird debut. A lot of people are freaking out, very happy with the debut, but it was a weird debut. I mean, it, it was a weird debut, but I mean, we can't put too, too much stock into it. I mean, yeah. he played only 20 minutes. Right. 18. Uh, that's, that's tough for you to get adjusted, number one, to the NBA game. Number two, get adjusted to playing with this team. I mean, he's going to have some time where he's going to have to make some adjustments. And, and 18 minutes a, a game. And they said he's not going to play back-to-back nights. Like, no. he, he's on a very strict leash. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's going to be something to watch for a little while, but we're really not going to know how great of a player he's going to be until he gets his, you know, 32, 36 right. minutes. I'll, I'll tell you what, if he plays like he played in the, like, watch out, because if you got a 285 taking threes like that and just burying them, I, it, yikes. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, he he looked like he was just like effortlessly shooting too. Oh yeah, if he if he's continues to play like that and like you know eighteen minutes first game, if he settles into that, that's he's gonna be great. The only the only takeaway that I'm I'm really taking from this game, as you know, I want to give him time to actually show that it's a consistent thing, is that he has doubled the amount of three pointers made in uh about what is it three minutes compared to what ben simmons has made <laughs> so i just want to put that out there that he yeah, has that. he's doubled the amount of made three pointers and ben simmons has been playing for a full season more so i just want to put that out there <laughs> yeah um i think the pelicans have definitely got to be careful drew said as uh you know he's on something you don't want to mess around with and they're they're kind of in the playoff hunt um, yeah so you don't want to you know push him any any more than you need to and you don't want to force him into you know putting all your eggs in one basket for this year because this is a pretty good young team and you know if he's healthy they could be good for quite a while are we at all concerned about his weight i mean this kid is 285 pounds i mean i know probably a lot of that's muscle and he's you know he's a tall kid he's six eight but i mean that that's a lot of, of running around for for somebody who's 285 pounds yeah i i think it's um i think it's a problem i think he needs to shed a little bit of the weight into muscle or just shed the weight a little bit um because we've never seen anyone like him jumping up no. and down you know running down the court both ends of the court you know for 82 games over a long period of time so i think it is a problem i think they'll manage it and they'll get to a point where it is uh you know sustainable but yeah i i do think that they're gonna have to do something about it if they want him to have a long career in new orleans yeah, and what is LeBron weigh? I think two sixty, right? I'm not sure. Yeah, if if LeBron's uh, LeBron's two, um, I I don't think Zion's. That's a lot of weight for Zion to lose. But if he was able to get down around two two sixty two sixty five, I think he'd be it'd pay dividends for him in his long term success in the NBA. Yeah, and he, he's also shorter than LeBron too. So LeBron has yeah. more place to disperse the weight and everything so 
He's uh, a Zion's a big man. Yeah. He's a oh for sure. A unit. Yeah. I'm actually excited to see him play this year. It's going to be one of the reasons why I watch so many Pelicans games. Now, do you think he he could you know make a late run for rookie of the year? Or no. In my opinion, no. I feel like Jaw is pretty much running away with it at this point. I yeah, mean, he's having a year. He's a stud. Memphis is going to be so good, and it makes me so angry because the Celtics own their pick next year, and it's going to be like the 18th pick in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think John Morant has it. I don't think anyone can really catch up to him unless he gets hurt and doesn't even play the rest of the season, but I don't see that happening. It's just the things that he's doing on the court right now are unbelievable. He's literally jumping over individuals to dunk on them and then switching from a dunk to a behind-the-back pass midair, you know, to, to almost get one of the greatest assists that I've ever seen. So it, it'll, be, it'll be tough to see someone pass him by. I, I absolutely uh, I agree. agree that Jaws going to win it, and I also don't think it would be fair to any other rookie in the entire league that Zion has missed 45 games and that he would even be considered in the MVP candidacy. So, Yeah, I agree. Uh, with that, let's touch just quickly because we're running high on time here. Um, just on the Hall of Fame, just really quick for the MLB. Um, Derek Jeter, um, I, I mean, should have been a unanimous vote. Uh, missed it by one vote. Yeah, I'm not really sure who in the entire world would ever not vote for one of the greatest players to ever play the game. I want that guy's uh, name. <laughs> that guy should not be allowed to vote. And I'm not a Yankees fan, but I still want that no. guy's name. <laughs> no, I mean, Derek Jeter was almost the face of baseball for a little while. I mean, this guy oh, yeah. was a class act. He he played the game the right way. He was always on the field. He made the right plays. I mean, he was he was just the all-around professional. I mean, there was talk about making his jumping throw at shortstop the new logo for the M- MLB. So, I mean, right. like, this is this is the guy. This is, you know, baseball. And for him to not be unanimous, is it's ridiculous. Agreed. Yeah, it, it, it was ridiculous. And then for Walker, you know, great story for him. His last year of eligibility, um, if anybody saw the video, I mean, he broke down. And that just tells you how much that, how much of an honor it is for these guys to be inducted into such a, you know, state of the art um, thing for them, for for yeah. their careers. Yeah. Absolutely. Good, That's good for Larry Walker and for the Rockies to, uh, to, to get him into the hall of fame. He had uh, an interesting career with the Rockies. And I think maybe he didn't get in as quickly as, as he should have or could have uh, because he did play in Colorado and everyone knows that the, ball flies out of Colorado like it flies out no other park so maybe that's where the voting kind of like skewed but you know good for him for getting in and you know it's a great story yeah I absolutely agree um no comment about it really and then uh, let's finish it up here with some um some gaming aspects of the the podcast Carlos you want to start that off sure yeah so there's been a few gaming um topics that have come up in the past week or so so Apex Legends has announced their fourth season. It doesn't even feel like they've been four seasons deep uh, yet. They haven't been around for that long. But they announced it this, uh, actually this afternoon. And they released a new, they're going to be releasing a new battle pass, a new legend. His name is going to be Forge. He kind of reminds me of a Jax from Mortal Kombat. 
Yeah, Jax. Uh, yeah, he has a robotic arm. I'm not really sure what his abilities are going to be at this point, but he looks pretty cool. Everyone was thinking that it was going to be a character named Revenant, I believe, some type of mysterious ninja, because there had been teasers about some shadowy figure that's been appearing all over Season 3, and Apex went and took a left when everyone was taking a right and said, nope, we're going to be releasing this uh, Jax wannabe from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> So that was kind of interesting. Uh, they're they're going to be releasing a brand new sniper, a bolt action sniper in Apex. So Drew, if you ever want to try out Apex, I know how you feel about bolt action snipers. <laughs> <laughs> and also they'll be celebrating their one year anniversary. So anyone that actually plays Apex, make sure you log in from February 4th to February 11th, I believe. And you will get a one year anniversary charm as well as a badge. And, you know, you can show it off to your friends. And depending on when you actually started playing the game, your badge will be different from other players. So let's say you actually supported them from the beginning when they first started. Your badge is going to be different from someone that joined six months later. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Call of Duty is going to be launching their COD League tomorrow, January 24th, which is pretty cool. They did some reworking for the League. Uh, the League has been around for you know, quite some time. But with the success that the Overwatch League has seen, uh, I think that Activision and Call of Duty kind of realized that they needed to do some reworking. So now they will be having teams that are hosted with different cities. Previously, it was just major esports companies that would have a team, and that would be their team. There would be no affiliation to anywhere in the states or in the nation or in the world. But now they are all tied down to a specific state. So. You'll see some familiar faces like FaZe or like Ultra or Surge or Optic Gaming, Legion, Empire. They all now have specific cities or states or countries that they play out of. So it'll be interesting to see the dynamic with the league and how it goes moving forward. They are also releasing a new update that will be making a crossbow available to all players in multiplayer. So there's going to be a set of challenges that you have to complete and you'll get a crossbow to use in multiplayer. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. I'm curious to see how it's actually going to work, if it's going to one-shot or if it's going to have some type of multiple-shot kill. And then from there, I think that's all I really have for gaming. I've uh, got just one thing to add. if you Sure, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so uh, just came out actually today that uh, data miners and they found that the um, chapter two, season two, uh, was supposed to release February sixth. Um, has now been pushed off again to potentially February twentieth, with the potential for it to be pushed off even further. And wow. it has already been pushed off so so long. So, um, you know, I don't really know what's going on from Epic, and we talked about it, but this is pretty shocking from Epic because they were, you know, all of chapter one. It was a pretty hard time for a new season. And then towards the end, they started doing the extensions and, you know, they're really, really pushing off a uh, season two right now. Uh, for one thing big for Richard and I, I'm just going to throw this in here. Um, we did just order scuff controllers. Um, so next week, tune in for that. We'll give you a little review on how we feel there you are. And you know, if it makes our gameplay a little bit better. Yeah. It's a, definitely a financial investment. You know, if you're considering one, we'll definitely, uh, and you guys can write on our Facebook page if there's specific things you guys want to know about. Um, we got the Infinity Port 
uh, Infinity 4PS controllers. Um, so if there's anything specific, just let us know. Yep. So uh, with that, we're uh, we're going to close out here today for episode four of the Drink Play Score podcast. Um, you know, we appreciate all the support and feedback from everybody. So uh, please reach out to us. Let us know any, you know, comments, suggestions, uh, negative feedback, anything. Uh, so that'll do it for us today and have a good night. See you later. Have a good one.